Hey, welcome uh, to the part two of a very brief series that we're doing called Big Dreams. And I bet you all as a kid had some big dreams. Some of you had the dream of one day being Darth Vader. For some unknown reason, you wanted to be like the really bad guy. But it was also pretty cool, wasn't it? Or maybe it wasn't Darth Vader, it was some Jedi, or you wanted to be Mace Windu so you could have the purple lightsaber. Maybe you're like me and you were a Trekkie, and so you were much more, uh, you know, dreaming about, thinking about being a, you know, a, a starship captain and flying around and Klingons and Romulans and all that good stuff. If you're not tracking with any of that, you're lost. Um, <clears throat> There's other dreams that I bet you had as well. Uh, maybe it was maybe more realistic, like being an astronaut. I don't know if that's realistic, but being an astronaut, there's not a lot of them. Uh, maybe it was a military career. You were looking at a movie star, a dancer. Uh, maybe, you know, as you grew up, you wanted to, maybe got older into school, you wanted to, you know, be class president or run for student council or, you know, king and queen or, or something like that in, in school growing up, a top athlete, uh, maybe you wanted to make a big discovery and change the world. Uh, maybe you just wanted to win. I, I, that was kind of my goal in some of the athletics growing up. I realized as I got older, like, it wasn't the athletics as much as it was just winning. That's all I wanted to do was win, not a good or healthy motivation necessarily. Um, maybe you had the dreams of where to live uh, or what kind of house you'd live in or what kind of family you'd have. Uh, maybe it was more relational. Maybe you just wanted to be seen. Maybe you just dreamed of having friends, sorry to say. Maybe you dreamed of getting invited to that party that everybody else did, but you didn't. And dreams are pretty powerful. They're a powerful motivator. Uh, they motivate you to behave a certain way, to say certain things, to not do certain things. They, they help you to navigate um, or try to get through, keep on keeping on during hard times, so to speak. Uh, maybe they help you right now. You have a dream and it's helping you to navigate a difficult time of life. Uh, they can help you grow. They can take you out of your comfort zone to do something new because you wanna reach that dream um, and to make a tangible impact in our world, something like that. And as Stephanie shared um, last week uh, in this service, uh, whether you were in here, you watched online, or you missed it, irregardless, the truth is, all of you are a part of a dream right now. And that dream was seven years ago infused church. It wasn't just a normal dream, it was a God-sized dream. And somebody before a service asked me what my God-sized dream was because Stephanie shared hers last week and so what was mine? Well, my current God-sized dream for Infused Church is that Infused Church would do life-giving, life-changing ministry through Jesus for the next 75 years because that will outlive me. And that means to me at least, our investment in this church community was well worth it. That would be, that would be my dream an active part of this community growing and serving everybody for 75 more years. So what is it that you dream about? Okay, like if I were to ask you to fill in the blank, you know, I dream about blank. What do you dream about? What did you dream about like in the last few hours even? Because some of us, you know, we wake up, we think about life, we think about what we want and we dream, we hope, we have expectations. What do you, when you sit there and you say, I wish, you wish what? I dream of the day when, what? I mean, how, how would you fill, fill in that blank? See, the reason that it's a dream is because it's not easy to achieve. 
because if it was easy to achieve, it wouldn't be a dream anymore. You know inherently that the reason it's a dream is because there's a lot of things between you and achieving that dream. And I wanna talk about one of those things. I wanna talk about one of the major limits that stand between you and your dream that not just you get wrong, but honestly, we all kind of get wrong for various reasons. I'll talk about it here in a second. Um, but it's actually up here on the screen already. The, the, the limit, the biggest limit, or one of the bigger limits I think we put on ourselves to achieve our dreams or our hopes, and they could be small, they could be big, they could be God-sized. Wherever they land in there, just a dream in general, is this letter right here, I. To me, I think this is sometimes our biggest limitation. It's very American of us, right? I mean, I have a dream, we have a dream, we have the American dream, and you can achieve the American dream. But that dream is on your shoulders. It's your dream, and you have to carry it and make it possible. And we celebrate those people in our country, in our culture, that achieve the dream. But this is not how dreams work. Somebody may have the dream, but how dreams actually work is more complicated and more powerful than that. And that is because dreams work, excuse me, dreams don't work well alone. Dreams don't work well when you're on your own, when it's only you carrying the load up the hill. I mean, think back to Darth Vader for a second. What would Darth Vader be without stormtroopers? Not nearly as cool, right? Not nearly as intimidating. How would Darth Vader show us all that he is powerful if he didn't have, you know, those guys sitting at those really fake councils pushing buttons, you know, and then Darth Vader goes, oh, you know, and they're like, uh, and then, you know, it's like, whoa, you know, without that guy, without his sacrifice, we wouldn't respect Darth Vader. You see? What would Captain Kirk be without Scotty? You know, who would give him more power? Nobody. Or Spock, right? I mean, we wouldn't have this. You know what I'm saying? It wouldn't be the same, but because, you know, there are more than just one person, there's more than one things involved, then they could do bigger and greater things. Like what is a PB&J without the J? Dry and unbalanced. And I know some of you, you know, peanut butter sandwich people, I don't understand it, but you know, it's just not the same. It's not how God created it to be. Because when you have the perfect PB&J, the perfect balance of peanut and butter and bread, it's perfect. It's heavenly, honestly. It's heavenly. It's not as good. What is an astronaut without a team? Well, they're not getting to space, that's for sure. What is an athlete without a coach or a party without friends? No one dreams of those things. It's not always that easy. All dreams, especially all God-sized dreams, all the dreams we've, I've you know, mentioned so far in the last few minutes, all of them have one thing in common, and that is it requires others. I want to explain this to you um, using something that we all kind of familiar with, something that we did probably at least once or twice as a kid, and it's play dominoes, not in the legitimate sense, but in the tipping them over sense, okay? Most of us uh, think of the domino effect as this right here. I want to talk about the domino effect. It's one domino hitting another domino that looks the same, hitting another domino that looks the same, and so on, so on, so on, as it goes around. And some people do some pretty incredible things with those dominoes and designs and colors and all that kind of stuff. But the thing about 
this style of dominoes is it's predictable. It's predictable. You know what's going to happen next. You, you can measure the impact because it's just one domino after another domino after another. Now, if you go about your dreams like this, where it's kind of like, just imagine all the dominoes are the same because they practically are. You're doing every step of the way. You may get to your dream, but it's going to be, and you can see easily how long it's going to take you to get there because you're alone, because there is a limit to your capacity. There's a limit to your time. There's a limit to your resources. You can only get so far towards your dream if only you are going towards the dream. But if you choose to involve others in this, the domino effect changes. And not in the way you think it does, because a lot of times we think, okay, well, then one domino knocks over two dominoes, which knocks over two do three dominoes or whatever. And that's pretty cool. But there's actually a part of the domino effect that I think is even cooler, even more powerful, has so much more potential. And if you understand it, I think you understand the power of others in part of your dream. There, there's a truth, there's actually a mathematical equation that a falling domino, a falling domino's energy has the power to not only tip over itself like in a traditional domino, it actually has the power to tip over 1.5 times itself. So you take a domino and it will tip over a domino that's uh, 1.5 times its size. Or in other words, if you take a domino that's 1.5 times its size, it can tip over a domino that's two times its size and so on. So you take a one, one inch, uh, one and a half inch a domino and it can tip over a two inch and a two inch can tip over a three inch and three can tip over four and a half and so on. And it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And it becomes, as that chain reaction continues, it becomes that something that goes well beyond you. And what you could normally do if it was just you. See, if your dream involves others, if your dream involves serving others and helping others, there is more energy potential. Take a look at this image, and, and I'll show you what this looks like. Take a look at this image, okay? This is this principle um, in action. If you look at this one, this first tiny little domino right there, okay? This is how big it is. I'll try, oh, dropped it. It's difficult to hold on to. Um, okay, it's very tiny, all right? So, so if you have a domino this size, this size is uh, uh, one millimeter thick by five millimeters tall, okay? It's very tiny. He was using a, a pencil to knock it over and a, he, he used a, um, a, a tweezers to hold it up. Um, but if you take this, this small domino and you multiply it 13 steps forward or 13 dominoes forward at 1.5 times its size, you can make a massive impact. I want you to see what happens when you go 13 sizes out at one and a half times each size, okay? So next video is gonna show him tipping the doc domino. This domino right here is about a meter tall and 100 pounds. How long did it take for this domino to knock over a 100-pound domino when it wasn't alone, when it used that multiplication, that stored energy potential and pushed it forward? It took about nine and a half seconds of that whole video. It's probably like seven of the seconds of the video. It's not that much. 
100 pounds, this little thing can tip over if it's not alone. If you would have gone five more places out to the 18th domino, you'd be toppling the Leaning Tower of Pisa, which may not be fair depending on how it's leaning and how you're pushing. I get it, okay? Don't get too caught in the details. But let's just say you went five more places out, okay? So now you're at the 23rd place, 23 dominoes, 23, that's all it takes, 23 from this, you're tipping over the Eiffel Tower. And five more after that, you're tipping over the Empire State Building. This is the power of the exponential energy of dreams that involve not just you, a one-time equation, but one plus a half. Something else, something beyond you, something bigger than you. And this equation plays out in every success story, you know, that we kind of venerate as, you know, Americans in our American culture. Like you take Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs had amazing opportunities uh, when he met um, and engaged with Hewlett Packard back in the day. You don't hear that. You hear the iPhone and you think Steve Jobs. You don't realize that he had a lot of opportunities because of other people and other people's dreams that catapulted his forward. Bill Gates, he had amazing opportunities before anybody else had a computer. His private school out in Seattle, Washington had a computer. Not only that, but his parents had access to a computer as they worked at the University of Washington. He had access to learn programming and learn computers before almost the entire world did because of other people and how other people created opportunities for him that he couldn't do otherwise. Or you take the Beatles, wonderful music group, right? Look at their history. Look at how many hundreds, if not thousands of shows they played all around Europe before they hit it big. They had so many opportunities that other people gave them to perfect what they had already started before they started rolling out the hits. It wasn't magic, it was exponential energy. It was a dream that involved not just them, but other people. Every character in Stephanie's message last Sunday, if you go back and look at, look at the consistent pattern of all those characters. They didn't do it alone, and it wasn't just for them or about them. It was also for others. It was also for God. Okay, so Taylor is the answer. So, so then I just need, my answer is I just need to go out and get someone else to do it for me. That's what I need to do. It's just that, that's the multiplication aspect. No, <laughs> that's not at all how it works. Uh-uh. It's more about um, inviting people into your life, into the dream. Inviting other people to contribute to it. Asking other people to share you, their dream with you and maybe being a part of their dream and helping them. Because when you do that, you start to stretch yourself. You start to put yourself in positions and look at things from different perspectives in ways you never would have except for the fact that another person looks at it differently than you. Another person has the ability to hold you more accountable than you could ever hold yourself to make you better than you were originally because of the people that were around you. The one and a half times idea means that you dream about being around people that have such big dreams that they make your dreams look small. The one and a half times idea is you choose to put yourself around people who make you feel so far away from Jesus because they're so close to Jesus. 
You put yourself around people who make you feel like you're doing nothing because of everything they're doing. And you're like, well, Taylor, why would, why would I wanna do that? That sounds awful. I would be very intimidated. I would feel less valued and less good about myself if I put myself around people like that. Yes, you could do that. You could choose to feel that way about yourself or you could realize that you are now around people who could help you knock down bigger dominoes than you could do on your own. And you could help contribute to them knocking down dominoes that they couldn't do on their own. It's like Solomon says, is a very famous proverb that he gave and was documented in Proverbs. As an iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You can't reach places that you weren't gonna go on your own to begin with. You can't see perspectives that you aren't already familiar with unless someone else introduces it to you and pushes back. Other people can do that for you if you invite them in. A few decades ago, um, over in England, in Oxford, England, in a, a room called the Rabbit Room, there's a private lounge called the Rabbit Room. And in this room, a couple of well-known people, maybe not so much at the time, but eventually would become known, be well-known, gathered to sharpen each other. They were writers, and they got together and they'd read each other what they wrote. They'd critique and give feedback. They'd debate and they built strong relationships with one another to help each other achieve their best potential, to achieve their dreams. And one individual, his name, um, he goes by the name, or you're more familiar with him as C.S. Lewis, at the time uh, was a very ardent atheist. Didn't believe that there was a God and he'd tell you why. And he'd walk you through it. It was a very thought out explanation of why God did not exist. He had a little discussion. I'm sure he had many, but this one particular one stood out. And he was having a discussion with a man, again, that you would know best by his name or his uh, pen name, J.R.R. Token. And J.R.R. Token was trying to convince Lewis of the truth of Jesus. And during one of the debates, Lewis said this really profound statement that I'm still like processing after I heard it. it I think it's just, there's so many layers to it. Here's what he told to C.S. Lewis. He said, your ability to understand stems from a failure, to, failure of imagination on your part. In other words, C.S. Lewis, your inability to see God for who he is, to trust Jesus with your life, stems from your inability or unwillingness to imagine God a part of your life, to imagine a God that loves you, a God that wants to transform you. You don't wanna even imagine that, and that's on you. Iron sharpening iron. Until one day, C.S. Lewis did. Till one day, C.S. Lewis allowed himself to imagine a world in which God does exist and God does care and God is involved and wants to know you and love you and forgive you and transform you. And that was the day really when everything changed for C.S. Lewis. By his own admission, he said he was the most reluctant convert to Christianity. That's what he said. Yet he goes on to write one of the most uh, best-selling series of books ever written called The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And 
many other incredible books that I've quoted and invited you all to read because they're just so profound. He was one of the best well-known authors in the world, just under his friend, J.R. Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings trilogy and The Hobbit and all of his writings. Interesting conversation, isn't it? Interesting opportunity when people bring their dreams to the table and invite others into it or to serve other people in their dreams. Jesus had a dream and you see it all the time. You see it in the beginning of Jesus' ministry. You see it in the middle when you read the gospels or the accounts of Jesus' life. You see it at the end as well. He was very consistent. And his dream was this, to bring the kingdom of God to earth. A kingdom where God was king and we all lived in that kingdom by God's value system. It was a nation for God, where God was Lord and King. And he prayed for that. One of the most famous prayers, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, your will be done, God, on earth as it is in heaven. God, bring heaven to earth so that everybody on earth could experience that. See, Jesus' dream was different than a lot of our dreams because it didn't really involve I. It didn't involve him. It was a selfless dream. It involved others. It was for others. It was for God. And he wanted to help others with his dream. And it made a billions of people difference in our world and in our past. If you grew up around church, um, you know that today is Palm Sunday. It's the day that Jesus entered Jerusalem. Uh, and then at the end of the week on Friday, he would be uh, crucified on a Roman cross. And, and on Palm Sunday, he comes down this road, which is actually on a mountain slope. And I, I brought a picture along. Um, there was a lot of people uh, there. I think it was uh, just after or before Easter time. No, it was just before Easter time. There was a lot of people there. And, and this is the road that they kind of um, accredit, you know, who knows if Jesus walked at this exact spot. But this is the road that's down um, from Beth's page down to the temple, which would have sat here uh, where a mosque now sits in the uh, Temple Mount right here. And he was walking in Jerusalem for the last time. And I wanna read to you what happened as he entered, um, entered because he, he was riding down on a donkey. But I want you to hear how many statements are made in this one passage of like six verses of how Jesus wasn't alone. That there were a lot of other people involved in this dream. And that these other people we're gonna be able to do something that even Jesus couldn't have done. He said, most of the crowd, Jesus coming down the road, spread their cloaks on the road. And other people were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them on the road. And Luke's gospel says there's palm branches, so we call it Palm Sunday, which in other words meant that they would have grabbed it from uh, out in Jericho, the palm branches out by the Dead Sea, grabbed those and brought them in. And they had this big parade procession all the way to Jerusalem. Um, and they were spreading them on the road. It's now the crowds going ahead of Jesus and those who followed, the crowds ahead and behind were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And when he had entered Jerusalem, all the city was stirred saying, who is this? And the crowds were saying, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. The crowds did what? The crowds did what? 
when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The entire city was like, what's going on over there? Who's this guy? Why is everybody yelling and screaming and cheering and Hosanna in the highest? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the Messiah. This is your savior. This is the new king. The crowds accomplished in like a day what Jesus could have done maybe over months. And that was to answer the city's question, what's going on? But because Jesus had invited other people into the dream and other people were benefiting and growing from this dream and it was serving them, they couldn't help but tell the entire city the answer of who was coming in. It was exponential impact at its finest. It was the one and a half times impact, domino impact, in the city of Jerusalem, eventually to become the nation of Israel, eventually to envelop the whole of the Roman Empire. And the crowd would eventually, without Jesus's presence, go on to change the entire world. This is the moment that Tokens talking about. Hey, hey world, imagine, this is what the crowds are saying, imagine that this is really God's son and he's coming to help you. He's coming to teach you. He's coming to serve you. Why are you so threatened by that? Why do you hesitate in front of that? What's the worst thing that Jesus is gonna do to you? Why are you guys afraid? You don't need to be afraid. This is humanity's savior. This is a real man who's going to be crucified as a statement of love for you forgiveness of shame and guilt, a statement of your value, your worth to God and freedom and an invitation into a new way of life, a new kingdom with a new king. And people imagine that. In fact, people have imagined that for generations since. And it's clicked light bulb moments, like it makes sense. And it clicks in here still today and the world changes, people's lives change and how do they change? Because a crowd of people say, hey, there's something worth seeing here because of that exponential impact. God-sized dreams are meant to be achieved with others and for others. You can have a dream and you can push it up the hill and you can hit one domino after another after another and maybe you'll get there. But God-sized dreams, and dreams that invite God in, dreams that are big, bigger than even you are capable of achieving, they require others. They acquire not just one, they require 1.5 plus. So you involve others, and you do it for others. Because God knows your gifts. God knows your talents and your opportunities and your strengths. And he wants to be involved with you. And he wants to be involved with what you have going. He wants to be involved with his children, the people sitting around you. He wants to serve and he wants to help. He wants to grow you and challenge you. How do you know it's a God-sized dream when you can't do it yourself? I think Stephanie said that last, that last week. When at the end of the dream, when you maybe have reached the dream or close to the dream, at the end, you're closer to him. That's how you know it's a God-sized dream. You've grown because you can't do it alone. 
You know it's a God-sized dreams when you bring other people along on the journey, not to do the work for you, but to invite their strengths and, and talents and gifts into the equation to impact others, to serve others, and to honor God in the process. Because the less a dream, the less, or excuse me, backwards, the more it's about me, the less the dream will mean. The more it's about me, the less the dream will mean, the less consequence it will have, the less impact it will have. Success is in succession. It's in other people helping and serving and taking your place. That's where success happens because it allows you to move up and to move on and allows others to also move up and to move on. Success is in succession. And it won't be perfect. It hardly ever will be perfect because we're not working with perfect people. We're working with imperfect people, but it doesn't mean we should stop dreaming. It doesn't mean we should stop dreaming. And it certainly doesn't mean we should, should stop or not invite other people in because that's when it really starts to take off. Okay, Taylor, so what if after all this, Stephanie, and you talking about all this, what if I don't have a God-sized dream? What do I do then? How do I handle getting a bigger dream? Well, start asking. Start seeking. Start knocking on doors. Not literal doors, I suppose you could. It may involve that, but, you know, figuratively. Yeah, please don't go in the hallway and go down the doors. <laughs> Hello. It involves you saying yes to opportunities. When doors open, you say yes. Because here's the thing, you can always close the door. You can always step back out and close the door if it's not right. But too often, is this not true? Too often, we don't even want to put our hand on the handle because we don't know what's behind the door. And it's a crack open, but we'd rather keep our foot out and safe than put our foot into that door and hold it and pull it open and go in and see. We talk ourselves out of it. We talk ourselves down. We're so critical and hard on ourselves. We listen to the, those negative voices that aren't calling us to more, but God's calling us to more. You can always, almost always close a door. It's difficult to open it. Sometimes the door will just be closed. And Stephanie said last week, just be grateful for that. Because I think that's true. If the door is closed, just be grateful. And move on. And then surround yourself. This is another thing you do. Surround yourself by other people that may bring you opportunity, that may help you to, to be the iron, to sharpen the iron, that draw you to new dreams, that draw you to new purpose and direction. Why? Why? Because that's when you're gonna start to fulfill that purpose that you've been hungry for, that you've been missing for so long. It's because other people are absent. It's because God is absent. And I'm just telling you, pers speaking personally from experience, when I took that step towards him and his dreams and how we could work together on some of those things, it just worked a lot better. Turns out, I was never really dreaming of being a pastor. God was dreaming it for me and it was a perfect fit. Worked out pretty decent. And it fulfills me in a way that I would have never probably been able to find on my own, but I was willing to search and seek and ask and knock to find that answer. And we hope to do that as a church. That's why we create a church like this. Our mission statement is to create space for you 
for you all, you all, to grow your gifts and become a Christ-like leader. Because you have gifts and you have opportunities and we want to help you. We want to give you tools to be able to accomplish that. We want to give you people around to hold you accountable and challenge you to be a better parent, to be a better spouse, to be a better friend, to be a better Jesus follower. And you carry that into the opportunities that you've been given. And they'll push you sometimes in the opportunities. Or they'll say, hey, I don't think that's wise. I'm not sure that's good. And you can work that out. But you got people that have your back that want you to achieve your dreams. Want you to invite others into it. It's why we uh, do events and, and have things like an Easter egg hunt. Why? Because we want to create an opportunity, not only for you to grow your gifts, but for other people to engage in a church, for you to invite your friends to engage in a church in kind of a low-key environment. Because the Easter egg's pretty low-key. That's why we have two Easter services, to make it more accessible on a big Sunday for people to come. That's why we do uh, ice cream Sunday the Sunday after. Hey, just asking you, how much, how, is it a lot easier to invite someone and say, hey, you're going to come listen to Pastor Taylor. He's pretty good, but he's going to you know, kind of get you with Jesus at the end, uh, just letting you know. Or, hey, after the Jesus, we'll give you some ice cream to make you feel better, okay? You know what I'm saying? We, we want to help you to have those conversations and to invite people into a big dream of making a big impact in our community and loving on the people here. I bet you have a neighbor and a friend who could use that. And the last thing I'd say to do if, if you're trying to figure out what your God-sized dream is, is to pray. You don't even have to be a Christian to pray. It's not a prerequisite. God will still listen. In fact, I'm pretty sure the stats are pretty clear. Like 99.99% of atheists have prayed and sometimes regularly pray. Okay, I know as agnostic, I'd still pray. I said, hey, God, if you're there, let me know. And he did. <clears throat> you pray a big prayer. You say, God, I think this is the dream I'm supposed to pursue. If it is, open the doors. If not, close the doors. God, I can't do this on my own. That's a big prayer. I can't do this on my own. Please bring me in proximity to people who can help guide me through this that I can serve, that I can help in the process. This is even a bigger one. God, I wanna just honor you with this dream. Because most dreams ultimately come back to me. They come back to the I. And by saying, no, 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 I want this dream to honor you, it takes the weight off your shoulders and spreads it on others' shoulders, specifically God's, and he can handle it. And it changes your heart posture and it changes your goal. And I think it can change your life. And I can, I certainly know it will change the lives of those around you. I hope you pray big prayers for big dreams. And we'd love to help you. If you would bow your heads and let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, help us to humble ourselves. Because when faced with a challenge like this, it's easy to get prideful. It's easy to get a little arrogant and say, no, I'm gonna do my own thing, my own way, how I wanna accomplish it. But if we look back at kind of our track record of how that's gone for our lives, it's not always been the best. You know, when we try to set our own dreams, God, you know, you watch us, you see us. 
we come to roadblocks. We come to big questions like why? Why am I doing this? Where's this going? Am I gonna get to the end of my life and say, hey, was, was this what I was really supposed to do? Is this, the, is this the best use of my talents, of my gifts, of my life, my one life? We hit those roadblocks. We ask ourselves that question and we don't always have the answer, Lord, you know that. And so we just kind of walk away. So Lord, I just pray that you would be with us. Maybe in this moment right now, when we're contemplating the direction of our lives or in those quiet moments when we're home alone or in a quiet space, or we're just thinking about this, that you would be present with us in our hearts around us and you would help us to come to terms with our potential, our God-given potential. And the dreams that maybe you have for us that we can't even see ourselves, but is where we're actually supposed to be. And it may look different. We may have to, you know, make some changes in our life and that scares us, Lord, but give us peace around that. Give us direction around that. Give us strength. So when those dreams come, we can step into them. When those doors open, we're not afraid to put a foot in the door and check it out. We're not afraid of you. We wanna hear from you. We want to feel you, we want to know you, and we want you to lead us forward. We want you to be the king of our kingdom, of this world. Because if you are our father, you have our best interests in mind, help us to trust that. Help us to trust our dreams to you and invite you to be a part of our dreams. Help us to step forward and not shy away. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.